Somebody is missing some keys. Tan van, license plate 6LFR215. Nobody's going to claim it. I guess I over here. Oh, I thought I was going to be able to drive it home. <laughs> Welcome back. Feeling better? Bernice has been sick, so this is the first time she's been back in a while. Glad she's back. I get more vehicles that way. Lord's been good. It's been busy. I wished I could tell you more about the venues for Walter Vyth. I still can't. But I am getting all kinds of uh, emails and letters from all over the world. We've got uh, a missionary family from someplace down in South America that is to go home on leave to see their family. They're taking a detour and coming here first to see Walter Vyth and then going to, uh, yeah, you guys are going to try to hang me, aren't you? I also got an email from a pastor, and uh, his entire church is coming down from Central California to see Walter Vive. So I don't know where we're going to put them all. We'll just figure that out. I'm going to do something different today. I'm going to have an altar call before the end of the sermon. Most pastors make an altar call at the end. But I'm going to start my altar call now. And then at the end, I'd like to have you respond. What I want are those who are having problems, having evil thoughts, difficulties with other people, um, health problems, feelings of being inadequate, an inadequate Christian. I want you to be able to come to the front of the church for prayer. So I want you during the sermon to think about your life for a moment and to think about those things. And I'm going to explain to you why I want you to come to the altar. There's something that's unique about Seventh-day Adventists, their message. We know it, we often say it, it's part of the three angels' message in Revelation 14, verse 7. For the hour of his judgment has come. Some of us think about the judgment And when we think about it, we kind of picture in our minds our court system here on earth. Waiting for the judge to come in and to be able to tell us whether we are guilty or not guilty. And we usually see the judge as a very stern, uncaring person. We think that God is kind of that way, that he is kind of an uncaring God that enters the picture and demands perfection in his heavenly courtroom. 
We know Jesus is about to come by all the situations you see all over the world. The things that are happening overseas. The things that are happening in the United States with the states that are up in air and having all these protests. We just know that Jesus is going to come. And if Jesus comes, that means one thing. The judgment would be over. And he'd be coming to give the verdict. The verdict is found in Revelation 22, verse 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. We know that text. The problem is that text sometimes scares some of us. What if I'm not good enough? What if I'm harboring some cherished sin? Maybe there's a sin I haven't confessed yet. What if I make a mistake and it might be all over because of that mistake? The problem is, is we like to harbor the what-ifs in life. Then there are some of us who are worried about everything. World strife, personal attacks. Selfishness of others, deception, anger, financial problems, work problems, just seems to be adding up higher and higher and higher. And then you got marital problems and problems with children and health problems. Another never ending list. And when we begin to focus on those problems, we begin to ask ourselves, where is God? Does He really care? After a while, you feel stressed, weighted down. You see the monsters hiding underneath your bed. And that's all you focus on. What's going to happen to me and my family? Some of us are very concerned about our children and our grandchildren. If this is coming to the end of time and we think that we are, what about, what about our kids? Here's what we tend to forget. Second Chronicles 20, verse 15. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. The situation that's going on in the world today is God's battle. Every problem, every negative situation, every attack, Every health-related problem, every marriage problem, every fear that you have is not yours, but God's problem. 
What we have a hard time doing is turning those problems over to Him to let Him take care of them. The Apostle Paul tells us this, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he, speaking of Jesus, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you know what he's saying? Is when things are seem out of control in my life and I'm worried about everything, that's when Jesus' light shines the brightest. The strength of Jesus is the beacon in darkness. When I'm at my weakest point is when Jesus shines the best because it's his problem and he's got the solution what's bothered me though was when Paul said this he said I will rather boast in my infirmities what in the world does he mean by that Somehow, some way, what he's saying is that in my infirmities, whenever I boast, somehow, whatever that is, it releases the power of Christ in my life. Paul gives the answer to what he's saying really in the next verse. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 10. Therefore, I take what? Pleasure in infirmities? He must have been having a bad day. I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All of those things, the infirmities, the reproaches, the needs, the persecutions, the distresses. Remember whose problem, whose battle that is? It's Christ's battle. So he's saying, I take pleasure now. I look at it differently. I take pleasure in these things because Christ is going to do something. And because of what he's going to do, I'm going to become stronger. The problem is that sometimes when we go through all these disturbing things within our lives, we feel weaker. But that's when Christ shines the best. It's not natural to take pleasure when I feel weak. Because that's when I worry the most. When things seem to be out of control, I begin to feel a little queasy. That's when my fears seem to plague my mind. Sometimes I get angry. Sometimes I feel defeated. Sometimes I feel all alone. 
Sometimes I'm worried. Sometimes I feel almost dead mentally, physically, and spiritually. And sometimes God allows me to get to that point. Why? So He can shine brighter. It doesn't make sense. But it's a reality. God has a battle plan specifically for your life. And He's going to carry out that plan. Remember, that battle is not yours. It's God's battle, and somehow, some way, your weakness becomes a way to show His strength in your life. So how do I take pleasure in my infirmities? What I'm about to share with you, you're not going to like it. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. Therefore, by Him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of what? Praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. We are to offer a sacrifice of praise. To who? To God. This praise, this sacrificial praise, needs to be free of any thoughts of some kind of reward. Do you know what I mean? Praise is not a way of bargaining with God, saying, okay, I just praised you, now you give me what I want. Jesus never promised to change the circumstances around us. But He does promise that as I'm going through this, I can have great peace and pure joy because I've learned to believe that God is in control of everything that's happening within my life. It's His battle, remember? So He's in control. The very act of praise releases the power of God to change things if He so desires. Or He can use that situation for the, better, the, the betterment of myself or of others to lead them to Him. Let me give you a biblical example. Remember Joseph? Do you remember how many trials Joseph went through with his brothers being sold as a slave, being tempted by Potiphar's wife, being thrown in prison? Was that a punishment? Or could it actually be a benefit to him, to his family, and to countless others. Was God in control of Joseph's life that seemed so runaway and so terrible? Sure He was. 
I like the fact that Joseph did not forsake his relationship with God. But he actually praised God, even while he's in prison. What about Daniel? Daniel was taken captive by a pagan empire, the Babylonian Empire, removed from his home, removed from his family, taken away from his friends, forced to be educated in the ways of the pagans, being persecuted by the noblemen of Babylon because they were jealous of Daniel. Daniel never went back home to Jerusalem. But here is the secret of Daniel's life. You remember when he had the death decree placed upon him? When all the educated men of Babylon were to be killed if they didn't tell the king's dream and the interpretation? Daniel 2, verses 20 to 23. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. Remember, he's got a death decree over his head. And he's saying, blessed be the name of God, for wisdom and might are his, and he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. Look who's in control. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I, listen to this, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might, and you have now made known to me what was asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demand. He's got the death decree over his head, and he's saying, praise God. Joseph's thrown in prison and he's saying, praise God. The world is falling apart. Can we say, praise God. I have come to believe that prayer of praise is one of the highest forms of communion with God. And one that releases the great deal of power into our lives. Reason is because when I can praise God in my infirmities, I'm giving the, the power to Him to let Him do what He already knows is the best solution for my life. I praise you, God, that you're in control. I praise you, God, that what I might learn from this situation might benefit me. I praise you, God, that what I'm going through might help my children. Do you know what we sometimes do is we jump in and want to rescue other people and rescue our children and take away the very avenue that God is setting up to be able to save them. Because we don't think that God is listening, so if He isn't going to do it, I'm going to do it. But I'm not in control. This is God's battle. If I take over, I'm going to lose and so is my family. 
It is an act of obedience to praise Him when life is at its darkest point. Now often the prayer of praise is done in sheer teeth-gritting willpower. I don't feel like praising God, but I'm going to do it anyway. And when I do, somehow, some way, the power of God is going to be seen in that situation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 15 to 19. See that no one renders evil for evil. That's when you take over to anyone. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. What is the will of God? In everything give thanks. But I'm, I'm in the darkest point of my life. Everything's falling to pieces. No. It's God's battle. And He will win. Praise God, He's going to win. If I refuse to do the will of God, what happens? It quenches the power of the Holy Spirit that is given to us to help us. And I need that power, don't you? I know, it doesn't make sense, but it comes directly from the Bible. So I've got to ask you a question. You've been thinking? You've had time to think about your life situations, about your problems, about your fears, about how other people treat you, how you perceive that they treat you, your concerns about your children, their behaviors. So what do you think? Do you need an altar call? So here comes the altar call. I challenge you to come forth to the front of the church so that we can give thanks, give praise to God for no other reason than it is His will in Christ Jesus for you that He's going to do something and He's going to shine. So that means the battle I'm having with my children, the concerns I have for them, the battles I'm having at work, the battles I'm having with marital problems, the battles I'm having with financial problems, the fears I have of what's happening in the world, the things that are happening to me and I'm wondering, am I good enough? Is Jesus going to allow me the gift of eternal life if all these fears, if all these concerns and all these things are weighing you down? You know what we've got to do? We've got to turn it over to God and say, praise God, He's got the answer. Praise God, He's going to shine forth. 
Praise God He's going to do something with our children. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. So I challenge you to come forth to the front of the church and give thanks for these things. Because He's in control. And take your hymnal and pass around and show it to Him. We want to sing Stand Up and Stand Up for Jesus. Because that is what we are to do right now. In this world of sin, in this thing where we're coming so close to Jesus' second coming, we've got to stand up for Him and give Him all of our problems. And to say, thank you, Jesus, that you're going to do something. Take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 618. We'll sing the first and the last verse. 618. sing the last verse. Those of you up in the balcony, come on down. We're going to pray together. We're going to put our hands on each other as we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit and we begin to praise Him. Let's sing the last verse. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. The strife will not be long. This day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song to him that overcometh a crown of life shall be he with the king of glory shall reign eternal I want you to gather close together reach out and hold the other person's hand or put your hand on their shoulder or whatever is convenient for you. But I want you to join together because we are a family of God. And that means the battle that you're going through is battles that probably some of the others are going through as well too. Jesus is coming. The devil is angry. So we've got to expect battles. But Jesus is going to overcome. I read the end of the book. He wins. But that means if we are with him, we win too. So he's going to take your, your kids. And he's going to, we're, we're, we're just going to place them in his hands. He's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to do something. Your, your work, your finances, your problems. 
those who have yelled at you, your marital problems, the pain you're experiencing, that's all his now. And if it's his, he's got the solution. We may not see it right this instant, but we can still praise him because he will overcome. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we come before you not because we are worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. We are here because we have problems. We're living in this world of sin. And Jesus wants to come, and what he wants to find in this world is true faith. And so we're going to demonstrate that faith right now by placing our perplexities and our problems, and we're going to place them in your hand because it's your battle, and you will win. We praise you for what we're going through because you will shine through those situations. We're going to learn from those experiences is going to better us as people. Or others are going to see us as we praise you in these hard times and they are going to become closer to you. Oh, Jesus, we pray that you come quickly. We pray that you desperately take our families. We don't want any family member missing from the heavenly kingdom. Lord, forgive us when we have hindered your plan. And we place our loved ones into your care right now. Do whatever it takes to wake them up. I may not like what I want to see, but you know what it will take. Open their eyes. Open our eyes. Some are heavy in heart with grief, with pain, with anger. Lord, we're turning all those feelings over to you. We want to thank you for them because they are helping us to realize that this world of sin and what it's like, and we don't like it. We want something better, and that something better is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some are having marital problems. If it takes a marital problem and the conflict within a marriage to be able to help to save us, to save our spouses and to save our children, then Lord, so be it. Wake us up. But you've got the plan to be able to deal with the problem. Help us to follow that plan. We're here as a church to unite together as a family. We all have differences we all have problems, but we must unite together in you in order to see the conquering spirit of Jesus within our lives.
Lord, take my life and let it be consecrated wholly to Thee. May the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us, not only as a comforter, comfort us through our hard times, but as the power to be able to develop us to have the character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May that Holy Spirit come in now and take over. I want to die to self today and let the Spirit of Christ have control. Lord, you've heard our prayers. We praise you for hearing our prayers. And we give to you the future because we know that whatever the future has in store for us, you're going to guide us through. It brings to us great peace and great comfort and great happiness to know that someone in this run amuck world is in control and it is our God and our Savior. We thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen, amen. God be with you and to lead you. And remember to continue to praise Him even in the bad situations that He's got the solution to be able to help you through. May God bless you.